Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, how are we doing Sunday morning crew? Come on. How are you guys doing? So glad that you're here. My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors. And I just want to thank you so much for being at church today in the middle of the summer. Is it hot enough out there for you guys? Is that hot enough? Did anybody do anything outside yesterday? Anybody? Like, all right, all right, I'm praying for all of you. Every one of you got sunburned, myself included. Uh, so, uh, wonderful day. Glad that you are here. As always, I want to take just a moment, look directly into the camera. I want to welcome our online family in. Wherever you're watching, however you're watching, whoever you're watching with, thank you for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. Let's welcome our online family in. Come on, let's do it. Really quickly, before we dive into the Word today, I want to take just a moment and honor some people that don't really get honored very much, and, uh, and that is actually our worship team. Our worship team, anybody that is on the worship team, can you just stand across the room? Not that you didn't have to serve today, but if you serve at any point on the worship team, can you stand? Come on. Come on. Look at these people. It's awesome. Look, all around. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to point out... In a, in, a, in a culture, in a day and age where musicians want to be paid and singers want to be paid, and while I'm going to do this for a check, every one of these worship team members serve volunteer, and they serve, they come and they rehearse, they work hard. Monique, hey, you stand up. You stand up too. I know, hey, I see you hiding over there. Uh, they, they serve. They do it. Why do they do it? Because they love this church, and they love what God has called them to do, that God gave them that talent to use. And I just wanted to take a moment to honor all of our worship team members. I love you. I value you. I'm thankful for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, today is the second week of our life group sign up. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group yet, okay, I want you to go to go two, two options. Number one, you can go to our website, vibranthtx.com, and then there's a life groups tab. Just click that life groups tab. Uh, there are tons of life groups this, uh, this semester, summer semester. It's a short semester. It's only six weeks. And uh, so go ahead and get connected, or you can download the Church Center app. You just go to the App Store, Google Play, search Church Center, uh, download that, search Vibrant church. Here's the thing, is that the reason why we focus so much on groups is because when we're together, we grow, okay? When we're together, we grow. If you want to go a long way, you go with other people, okay? You you go with other people. So I want to encourage you, get involved in a group. I'm telling you, there are groups that no matter what your interest is, there will be something that peaks that, okay? There will be something that peaks that Go to the groups and look at them. Sign up for a group. And, and shameless plug, um, I'm hosting a group uh, <laughs> this semester, and it's an eight-week group, okay? But it's on Wednesday night, and it's more of a traditional Bible study, okay? I'm going to lead you through a, a traditional discipleship Bible study. It's Wednesday night. It's at 6 o'clock right here at the church. I would encourage you, if you want to grow this summer, if you just want to grow spiritually, 
Come, come hang out, all right? Um, I, the group is, it's, it's going to be a little bit larger, but that's okay. We'll, we'll make that work and do what we need to do. Uh, I'm excited about this. Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, we're going to grow together. Go sign up for a group, amen? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Today we are in week two of a series called The Kingdom Code. Can you say that? The Kingdom Code. Y'all got to wake up now. Y'all got to wake up a little bit. We're going to have... Hey, we're just going to say the kingdom code. Amen. Last week, we kind of laid the foundation for this entire series. And uh, that, you know, we, we live in an amazing country, and I'm thankful for our country every day. I, I, I'm very thankful for it. But we are first kingdom citizens. We are first kingdom citizens. We have a king. My allegiance is, is to a kingdom that's not of this earth. Right? It's to a kingdom that is not of this earth. Countries have presidents, but kingdoms have a king. They have a king, and my kingdom has a king, and his name is Jesus. Jesus isn't a president that you can vote out of office or protest or recall, but Jesus is king of his kingdom. If you're part of his kingdom, then you're submitted to his kingship. Okay, and so you've got to understand that we, we get to line ourselves up with the king. We live in a world that hates absolutes. It loves to create gray areas. And I just want to be very, very clear that I'm not here under my own fruition or my own strength, but I am, I identify as a servant to King Jesus. And that is the only thing that matters to me, the only living God, the first, the last, the alpha, the omega, the final authority on all things. That is what I identify as, as a man first and a a pastor last. Our values and our behaviors and our cultures, they're of another kingdom. So what that means is that we, we've, we're not like the world. We've got to be different than the world. Our culture, don't miss this, is different than the world. And that kind of set up where we're going. And I, I'm going to break this down the next few weeks. And I really hope that this is kind of a very, uh, this is a value series where I'm just going to preach uh, pastorally very much to, to where our church is at. Okay, we're right where our church is at. So today we're going to open up in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you have uh, your Bible, they're going to put it on the screen uh, as well. But that, let me just kind of set it up like this. The Corinthian church was wild, y'all. I mean, it was, it was wild. It, as the kids say, it was lit, okay? Um, or litty, all right? And so the, the Corinthian church was wild, all right? The, in fact, to the point where they were taking communion and they had to be addressed because they were taking the communion and getting drunk from the communion every week. Don't amen that. Like, he, like, he corrected that. Don't amen that. That's not where you amen. Somebody help somebody. <laughs> they were taking the communion and getting drunk on a consistent basis. And, and so Paul had to correct divine order even in the church, in the Corinthian church. He, in fact, he, preached, he writes in this letter uh, that he says, uh, the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. That's the divine order of a home. I didn't hear any other genders in there. Sorry, just, I'm just preaching the word, right? It doesn't mean that husband and wives don't work together, okay? But there's something special about the role a man has in the home. 
And we're going to preach about that next week for Father's Day. And I'm just going to tell you what, Father's Day next week, I'm going to preach the announcements for just a minute, okay? Uh, next week, Father's Day, we've got some really, really cool stuff for dads. And we're even giving away a slingshot car rental right here at church. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the role of a kingdom dad, a kingdom man. And I, I, I can't wait. Uh, it, it's going to be a really, really great day. But the bottom line that I want to get to here is that uh, we find in the Corinthian church is that sin is not getting any worse today than it was then. I know it's really easy for us to think, oh man, this world's just getting worse and worse. My God, it's just getting terrible. It's, getting worse. it's really, really not, to be honest with you. Sin has still been sin from the beginning. And really, the carnal desires have not changed from the beginning, but the mode in which you get there has changed. That's the only thing that has changed. Sin is not getting worse, but at the end of the letter, he says, let me close it up and sum it up like this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, he says, therefore, he tells them and he instructs them and he gives them all kinds of, hey, these are things that you need to correct within the church. Uh, but then he closes this letter out with this. He says, therefore, come out. Everybody say, come out. From among them. And I want you to circle that because that's something that we're going to go back to. And be separate says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Now, the thing I want you to get here is that separate doesn't mean apart from them. It doesn't mean start a cult and go buy a bunch of land and live in trailers together. That's not what Paul was talking about, okay? It doesn't mean apart. It doesn't even mean that they're dirty and you're not. That's not what it means here. It doesn't mean like I'm clean, you're dirty, I go out from church, I can't. That, that, that's, it means different. Be different. Have different values than the values of the world. Because that kingdom worships a different God than you worship. Right? We talked about this last week is that you can't make a difference if you're not different. Different. You can't make a difference if you're not different. Now, when I'm in a meeting with people, and, and I meet with people every week, literally, and so when I'm in a meeting with people that are struggling with sin, I say this very often, um, not everything is a sin, but everything is a seed, right? Not everything is, is a sin, but everything is a seed. Some stuff in your life is lawful for you to do, but you're going to hate the harvest that it produces in you. You're going to hate that harvest that it produces with you. For instance, if you struggle with anger, watching videos consistently of fights and people fighting all the time probably isn't going to produce the harvest that you want in your life. If you struggle with substance abuse, going to a bar where people are consuming those substances is probably not going to produce the harvest that you're looking to have in your life. See, the problem is that we're asking the wrong questions. The question that we ask is, is this a sin? Is this going to, you know, is, is, we, try to, it, we try to put God in a corner. Well, yes or no, God, is this a sin? That's not really the right question. It's, it, it's, it's what kind of harvest will this bring in my life? What kind of harvest will that, well, I, Pastor Michael, I'm just doing this. And whatever you're filling the blank is, well, let me ask you, it's not really about this. It's about the harvest that this brings. Right, and I'm telling you, this is a value series. I'm going to pastor you a little bit. We may not amen very much, but that's okay. I, I'm still going to preach it either, either way. So it, <laughs> uh, it's still going to happen. See, Paul was telling us to be different, not because you're better, but because you have different values. You're from a different kingdom. So you have different 
values. The Holy Spirit, I want you to write this down. If you don't remember anything else, this is the key statement of today, okay? The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me, okay? And I would even add to it, I shorten it, but I would add to it, it makes me better than me without Jesus, right? It makes me better than me without Jesus. Our lives, our attitudes, our values, our thoughts, our conversations, behaviors should be different than the ways of the world. See, this is, you know, I will just tell you, this church is unapologetically a spirit-filled church, and I talked about that a little bit last week, but that is the foundation in which this church is built off of, and, and, and I had some people ask me this week, what does that mean? I've heard that before, and what does a spirit-filled church, what does that mean? It means that we have a Pentecostal-type theology. It means by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we find salvation, not by our works, not by anything that we do, but only by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we find salvation. That's how we're saved. But with that, we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which will bring heaven down to earth. Okay, that's the biblical thing. See, what happens is that Jesus leaves this earth after resurrection and he tells them to go wait on him. He tells them, go, and I want you to go, and I want you to pray, I want you to wait. And then eventually, 40 days later, uh, you know, they, they, they're there and they're waiting on Jesus and, and all of a sudden his spirit falls and there was about 120 of them in the room and they all were filled with the spirits. In other words, he told them, go and wait and I'm going to give you power from on high, not that you can be better than anybody else, not that you could be better than the Jews or the Gentiles or the Romans or any subdivision of culture that you want to say, but he says, I want to make you better than you would be without me. So I have left this earth physically, but I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send power from on high that is going to make you better. Today, if you're struggling in this house, let me just tell you, I know what you need. I, I know you need the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need something that comes from on high that nobody else can give you, but only Jesus can give you. Amen? See, if there's a kingdom... And we're the citizens of that kingdom. There's a code, a culture. There's something that you can do to unlock a spiritual blessing in your life. Something that you can do. I remember um, going into high school. In middle school, we didn't have lockers or anything. But in, in high school, lockers were a brand new thing going into high school. And, and so... Um, and the thing that got me about lockers, and I don't, maybe somebody else will communicate and, and agree with me here, with identify with this, is that the lockers were not an issue. You just take up the thing and open the locker. But it was that little lock that they put on the locker. You know what I'm talking about? The little spinny lock that had like a million numbers on it. And you buy the lock and they give you three numbers that you're supposed to put in on this lock and it magically unlocks this lock. You guys, I could not figure that lock out for nothing. Like when I went to high school, the whole first month of school, I was late to every class because I was just too embarrassed to ask anybody to help me with this ignorant little lock that I couldn't get. Like, do you turn it right or do you turn it left or do you push it in or do you shake it and jiggle a little bit? I don't know what you do with this thing. I still can't open them today. I, just, I, don't, I don't know what to do with it. Maybe that'll be a life group that y'all can help me with. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to do it, okay? Like I would even lean my ear in a little bit. I don't know if it was making any noise, but I'd like... 
see if it was trying to unlock something, you know what I'm saying? Like, but finally, about a month into school, you know, somebody helped me and, you know, I was trying to, I, I, they were, oh, you just turn it to the right and then to the left and then to the right again and open. It's like, oh, I got it. And then now I'm old and I don't need that. So whatever. But here, here, here's the point I want to get to here is that inside that lock, the numbers would align in a certain way that it unlocked that I would get what I needed to be successful in my journey of the day. There were numbers inside of that lock that aligned just the perfect way that it unlocked, that I, that I would get what I needed to be successful. There is some stuff in your life that if you would get in alignment with the word of God, it would unlock some blessing from God for your journey. There's some stuff that you have prayed for all your life that's locked up behind your obedience to God. You need some alignment to get some release. You need some alignment. Y'all remember those old video games where, you know, there were codes to unlock some special things, you know what I'm talking about? And you put them little cheat codes in the game. Some of y'all laughing because you did that when you're playing with your friends. You know what I'm talking about? Little extra things. Like when I was a kid, you play that Mario Kart game, and there was, I, there was this little code like up, up, down, B, A thing, like, and you get unlock, unlimited red shells. Bro, it, it was on. If you got unlim, unlimited red shells, y'all were going down. Just bang, 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 bang. I'm taking you down. I'm, I'm going to beat you in Mario Kart. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, there's a code in your life that unlocks blessings. Now, I don't, I, I don't want you to miss this. It doesn't mean that you won't beat the game without it. It doesn't mean that you won't go to heaven without it. But what it does mean is that when you get that code right, it makes life a whole lot easier. It makes life a whole lot easier. See, let me give you a real life example. See, kindness is a code. Kindness is a code. Even when they aren't kind, we decide that we're going to be kind. And, and you know how you pour water on an altercation in your life? Somebody's mad. Oh. Kindness. Kindness. See, it's a code. But when we allow anger and strife and bitterness to run our lives, everything gets more difficult because we're more stressed. It causes more physical anxiety, causes more mental anxiety. And all of a sudden, spiritually, we can't figure out what went wrong, but we've allowed anger to rule our life instead of kindness. It's a code. It's a code. Married people, there's a code. Fellas, there's a code to unlock good times. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? There's a code. I mean, you got to step in the house. You got to do the dishes. You got to take your shoes off at the door. You got to take a shower every now and then. And don't be a dummy. You know what I'm saying? I, I wish some wives would help me today. I'm trying to help y'all. My God, I'm trying to preach with y'all. Everything has a code. Let me just tell you, serving is a code. Serving other people, it's a code. It unlocks fulfillment in your life. Why do I preach so much about serving other people? Because it's part of the code for the best blessed life that you can have. Let me just preach the announcements one more time. On July 10th, we have a serve day where our church all day on that Saturday, we are just going to go and shower our city with love. We're doing all kinds of serve projects. We're going to be delivering water. I don't know about y'all, but it's going to be, if it was this hot yesterday in June, imagine what's going to be in July. 
Okay, we're going to hand out nice ice cold water to people that need it. We're, going to, we're just going to shower our city with love. Serving is a code. Serving other people is a code. Why? Because it t- makes me take my eyes off of what I want and what I need and realigns me with the kingdom of God. It realigns me. I hope y'all are getting where I'm going today. I hope you're getting where I'm going. If you want to unlock spiritual blessings, favor from God, financial freedom, opportunities for promotion, there's an alignment that goes with it to unlock it. Well, pastor, I need a financial breakthrough. The first thing I'm going to ask you about is your tithing. I know y'all didn't amend that, but that's okay. But that's the code to the blessing on your finances. Well, pastor, I can't figure out why there's never enough money. It's, it, it's, be, it's the, 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 this law, it's this code of first fruits, right? If I bring my first fruits, I'm always going to have enough. That's, it's not a me thing. It's a God thing. When I put God first in my tithing, I unlock blessing on the other 90% that's left. Well, pastor, I tithe with my time. Don't work like that, Bishop. It don't work that way. It don't, it, it don't work that, that way, Bishop. It doesn't do that. When I, because the Bible says for us to tithe on the increase, and, and, and the Bible calls us to tithe to the increase. So unless God is giving you more than 24 hours a day, it don't work that way. And, and if you are getting more than 24 hours a day, y'all got to help a brother out because I'm on, I need it. Come on, somebody. I need it. My, my kids need to sleep a little longer, okay? Amen. Jesus says that there are keys to the kingdom. There are keys to the kingdom. In Matthew 16, verse 13 through 19, verse 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? This is an important question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And, and Jesus asked, he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Imagine being put on the spot by Jesus right there because he knows what they said, <laughs> right? Simon Peter answers, says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I don't want you to miss this. In the kingdom, your identity changes. In the kingdom, your identity changes. I, you know, notice he was, he was looking at, you know, he was, he was asked, well, who do you say I am? Jesus, you know, he, he replies and he said, well, who do you say I am? And as soon as Jesus, or as soon as he said, I believe you're the son of God, you're the son of the living God, you are the Messiah, his identity changed. Jesus gave him a separate identity. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Once you step into the kingdom, your identity changes, and there's some power that comes with that. There are some keys to life that nobody else has. There are some keys to life that the world doesn't have. 
Well, I can't figure out why these Christians are always full of joy so much in a world that's crazy, in a pandemic, in a recession, and all that, in a whatever the time is. What, it's because there's a key that was been given to us that of the kingdom here that came from a heavenly father that brings fulfillment and joy that the world can't bring because I'm not here to serve this kingdom, but I'm here to serve the God of this kingdom. There is a key to the kingdom Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Two statements which are equally true in your life. There is some stuff that is locked up that God wants to release in your family. Locked up that God wants to release. He wants to release. But also there, has been, there is some stuff that has been released on you that God wants to lock up. But you've got to start speaking that because God already gave you the keys, keys to the kingdom. You are a son and a daughter of the most living God, the most high God, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. And he gave you the keys to unlock those things. The first kingdom code, I'm just starting to preach here. The first kingdom code today, this key is this, and, and it's, it's pretty simple and I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, but it's okay. I'm preaching to those online. I'm preaching to our, yeah, I'm preaching to everybody here. But the first, this, this key to the kingdom is, is, not, is pretty simple. Commit to the party. Can you say that with me? Say, commit to the party. God's plan is to save the world from their sin. And you and I are involved in that. Uh, but we've got to know what is important to God first. Right? We've got to know what is important to God. Here's the truth is that God is distracted by the lost. He is distracted by lost people in a good way. Like, have you ever been distracted before? Like for me, when I'm having a conversation and I have a conversation with you and my kids are doing something in the background, they're jumping and doing backflips so they might be running through the church. I'm having a conversation with you, but internally I'm thinking, Ethan, stop running. You know what I'm saying? I'm distracted. I'm distracted. You know, God is distracted by the lost. We find this in Luke chapter 15. He tells one story in parables, okay? But he tells it in three different narratives, right? The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. All in the same kind of idea. He is distracted by lost people. He is distracted by the lost people because he loves them. Church, if you want your life to be about what Jesus wants it to be about, then your life will be about reaching lost people. It will. Jesus is not interested in the newest fight on Facebook. He's not. He's interested in reaching lost people. That's why he came. That's why he said in Luke 19, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost what is Jesus passionate about? The lost. And that's, here's what's awesome, is that God chose us, the church, to play the main role in reaching the world with the message of grace and hope and salvation. Don't miss this. Every action after day six in creation, God used a person. A person. Even naming all the animals. Adam, well, you've got a job to do. You've got to name all the animals. I don't know why he named it the elephant, but God, I, I, I don't know why he named it that. I could have thought of a way better name. Elephant don't even make sense. Like, I, I could have thought, God gave him a purpose. He said, this is what you're called to do. Church, let me just tell you, 
I know right now some days it doesn't feel like it, but right in the middle of the summer when it's 172 degrees outside and all you can think about is sweat right now, I'm telling you God has a purpose for your life. I know it may seem like you're going through the doldrums and you're just day to day, and some days it's hard just to put one foot in front of the other, but I'm telling you there is purpose in this season for you. There is purpose in the season, and some of you may even be in a waiting season, but you better worship in your waiting because there is purpose to it, okay? Worship in your waiting because there's purpose, church. God's got a plan for you. Listen, listen, listen. The church is God's plan A to reach the world, and there is no plan B. There's no backup plan. It's us. God wants to use us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus the church is not a building, but it is a gathering of people. When you see the word church in the New Testament, including here when he was talking to Peter, it's the word ecclesia in the Greek, which literally means a gathering, a gathering. It's people who say, well, because he found me, he saved me, he transformed me, he changed my life. I want to serve him in his house. I want to give here. I want to serve here. I want to come here. I want this to be my family. I want as many people as, as can experience what I've experienced. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. The church is a body and you are needed. I want you to say that out loud. Say, the church is a body, and I'm needed. Brendan, where you at, bro? I didn't tell you I was doing this. Come up here. Hurry, real fast. That's a good-looking dude right there, isn't it? All right, get on them drums. All right, Brendan, I want you to give me like 10 seconds of drumming. Just like the best you got. I know you've been practicing a drum solo. This is it. Right here. This is it. Oh, it's all you, bro. 10 seconds. Go. Man, that's awesome. Isn't he great? Wait, stay there. I'm not done. Don't move yet. I should have told him about that. It's way more funny. I didn't tell him. Now I want you to put one stick down and put one hand behind your back. Play them drums, bro. That's pretty solid. He can still make do. He can still make do. So if you break that left arm, you're okay. All right. I mean, I'm not prophesying nothing, but I'm just saying. I want you to put that other hand behind your back. I want you to put that drumstick in your mouth and try to play them drums. You can do your feet. That's fine. Now, you got to play a snare, too. The snare's got to be played, too. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. I'm messing. Give it up for Brendan. Give it up, Brendan. Why did I do that? Because the church is a body and you are needed. If the drummer, if he's missing both of his arms, there are parts of the drums that won't be played. There are parts of the musicality that will be missed. If you just had a bass drum, y'all would never come to church again. Y'all would never. You'd be like, that's a weird church. Like, I ain't going to, I ain't doing that. But there's a snare drum and there's a cymbal and there's a hi-hat and it creates a musicality that is very, it's pleasing to the ear, Right? Guys, the church is a body, and every one of you in here play a part. It might be the hand to play the hi-hat. It might be the foot. It might be some of y'all just might be the head rockers because y'all ain't got no rhythm. It's okay. Like, some of, 
Every one of you have a part to play, but when you don't step in, don't miss this, when you don't step in and play your part, there's a part that is missing. There is a part of the musicality that is missing. There is something that is incomplete. Why? Because the church is God's plan A, and he is waiting for you to step into what he's called you to do. It may not be music, but for some of you, there is a smile at the front door that somebody is waiting on. There is an impact that you can make with somebody. You've got to step in and play your part. Commit to the party. I'm in the body, and I'm needed. The body can't function properly if the whole body's not there. God's house is where God's people experience God's presence and prepare for God's purpose for their life. That's why we're here. And I would just say it this way. God's, God's house is a house party. God's house is a house party. Now, I am one of those people... My wife and I are completely different, and that is why we fit so well together, right? We are completely different. And so for me, anytime we're going to have an event at our house, whether it's a, a good Friday service or, or just having people over, my first inclination is how many people can we fit in this house legally? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many people can we legally fit in this house? Or let me ask the, the correct question. How many people, how many children can we fit in this house without them, you know, breaking my house down? And so uh, I always like inviting as many people in my house as possible. In fact, we, we played this out in pre-launch. How many of y'all were at that pre-launch at my house in the middle of the summer where we had like 50 people in my house that was like 1,600 square feet? Yeah, True, and we had like 20 kids in a, like a 10 by 10 room, and they still stayed on the team. I don't know why, <laughs> but we just figured it out. We figured it out. I want as many people to come into the house as, as possible. Now, Carmen, she loves people, but she don't love that many people. You know what I'm saying? She, she loves people, but she's a little bit more measured because she understands that we're going to have to cook people, cook, not cook people, <laughs> cook food for people. We don't cook people. This is not one of those churches, okay? <laughs> Edit that out, okay? Facebook Live, ignore that. Like, we cook food for all those people, right? And that requires a little bit more work. It requires a little bit more work. Here's the thing is, unlike your house parties, Jesus wants everybody to come. Jesus wants everybody in the house party, everybody involved. See, the reason why we don't have a diversity training in this church is because it don't matter. If you're black, if you're white, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian, first of all, you are welcome here. Second of all, you're part of my family because every one of us bleed red. Every one of us were created by a great God and it's my job to bring you into my family. Wherever you came from, you are welcome here. In the month that we're in right now, I don't care what your sexuality is, you're welcome here. You're, you're part of the house party. I don't care who you like, who you don't like. Welcome to the party. I don't care who you are and where you came from or what your struggles are. But I just got to warn you, if you step into the party, the party's going to change you. The party's going to change you because God will never leave us the same way he found us. See, Jesus, don't miss this. Jesus was at a dinner party and someone said, it would be great to have a banquet in heaven someday. 
And Jesus said, you know, funny that you should mention it. Let's talk about that. And he tells the story in verse, 14, or ch- verse 16 of, of chapter 14 of Luke. He says, Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations that when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. See, Jesus tells the story of a man who held a great banquet and it was an incredible party at a house and The man in Jesus' story was not just any man, but he was representing God, and it was not just any other house, but it was God's house. And one of the things that we can learn from this parable is that God's house is more prepared or it's more compared to a party rather than a quiet, sleepy experience, amen? It's more compared to a loud party than a quiet, sleepy, boring experience. I believe church should be enjoyed, not endured. If you're enduring church, you're at the wrong church. And this church is not going to be endured, but it's going to be enjoyed. And so God's house is a life-giving place that is source, a source of joy and celebration. Can I tell you a little secret? I don't want you to tell anybody else, okay? This is a little secret. But I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago. They said, are y'all always this hyped up? And proudly I looked at them and went, yeah, we are. They didn't come back. No, I'm just kidding. They're here. No, I'm just, you're right here in the building. Are we always hyped? Absolutely we are. Have you ever been to a boring party? You ever been there? You ever been to a boring party? I've been to a boring party. It's no fun. Church is not supposed to be like that. See, Psalm 122 and 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There's something powerful about it. I was glad about it because it's a party every Sunday. Man, oh, I I totally believe in God's house that it's supposed to be full of music and laughter and smiles and dancing and uplifting community. It's not supposed to be a boring party. It's like... Have you ever been to a co-ed baby shower? That's the worst, bro. Like, don't have one. Like, we're about to have a baby. Don't have one. Don't, don't do it. Like, there's no music. There's no dancing. Nobody's loud. It's like a library where people are whispering and playing cards. And like, when you leave, you're like, man, like, why did I even come here? Like, I didn't get anything. You feel sadder when you left than the way, like, that's not the kind of church I want to be to, church. That's not the church I want to be a part of. God's house is not like that. This world is full of enough hell that we live in. We need to experience a little bit of heaven on this earth when we're in the house on Sunday. That's what this house should be like. God's favorite part of this service is not when I'm preaching. It's in worship when we're lifting our voices to him and we're communing with him and saying, the the only reason I'm preaching a word today is to get you a little closer to Jesus. That's the only reason I'm doing what I do today. That is it. I'm thankful for a life-giving, a life-changing church that I leave smiling and have with my head head held high. I'm not perfect, but I don't have to be because I'm forgiven. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm certainly not where I was a long time ago. Amen. I'm loved and I'm cared for by other people. So let me, church, let me just preach to you a little bit. Every week, I'm going to show up to the party. I'm going to commit to the party. I'm going to join the party. I'm going to let God keep working on time. I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up for Dream Team Huddle. I'm going to serve when I'm not asked to serve. We had an issue with our bathrooms today. Our team dove in. People that weren't even supposed to be on the team dove in and helped make bathrooms work today. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to commit to the party today. 
I'm going to commit to the party. Jesus, he goes on to describe this house party. And check this out. I don't want you to miss this. He says, but they all began making excuses. One said, I bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five pair of oxen and I just want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. I'm going to leave that right there. (laughs) The servant returned and told his master what they said. His master was furious. The thing I want you to get here is that he sent tons of invites and tons of people turned him down for tons of reasons. I could spend a little bit of time here talking about this, but I don't want to do that. I do want you to realize that God takes his invitations seriously. He takes the invitation seriously. We've all been invited, and it's something that we should take serious. The amazing things that that God is doing in this house and through this house. You know, really, to be honest with you, I feel like we need to have a good case of FOMO in our lives. You don't know what that is? Anybody heard of that? Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. We need to have a good, healthy case of FOMO. Hey, bro, you want to grill out before the game and we'll tailgate? Man, I would. But, bro, they're throwing a party. I don't be a part of that. It's FOMO. Make this house a priority in your life. This house party a priority every week. Be why? Because there's healing, there's hope, there's encouragement, there's power, there's engagement, there's purpose, there's community, there's empowerment. You need it. I need it. God is serious about his invitations and we need to be serious about responding. Church, let me just tell you, we know that we can reach more people at Vibrant Church. Hundreds of thousands of people live within 20 minutes of this this campus. People that are empty. That's why Serve Day is so big. That's why life groups are huge. People will come to a life group who will never enter the doors of the church at first. But we're not waiting on our building project to be done to make an impact. We're not waiting on a building project to finish to make an impact. This party is happening every week. This party is happening every Sunday. We're not waiting on a building to see more people find Jesus. We're not waiting on a building to create more space for lives to change. Why? Because a new building is not hope for a city. It just, it, a new building doesn't fill an empty heart. It does nothing more than it's a means to the end. It helps facilitate more people coming to the party. That's why we're doing what we're doing. A new building is a step, but church, we're making that step. Well, what happens when we fill that building? That's the question that I get the most. We don't stop there. We make more room for the party. We add a second service and a third service and another campus and another campus. And we won't stop until Jesus is king of the city because he's the king of our kingdom, amen? And we're here to bring heaven to earth and show them that there is a better way because they don't have to serve the God, the little G God of this world, amen? Won't you stand with me? There are four things that you can do right now to make this party special, to make this house party special. Number one, you can invite people. 
Find somebody to invite, text someone, call someone. I just gonna encourage you here. For some of you, you're gonna feel God. I'm praying for God to lay people on your mind this week that you need to call. And you're gonna feel those people come to mind and you're gonna go, no God, I don't wanna make that call. That's, unpo- that, that's uncomfortable. I'm praying that you make that invite and you make that call because that call could change their life. There are people that are in this room that a call just like that changed their life. Why? Because if it came from a, this call was leading them to a king of a different kingdom. The second thing is serve. Today is next step two. I'm never going to stop preaching about next. Today is next step two. Some of you need to jump in. It is your time. It is the middle of the summer. It is time to, for you to get some disciplines in. If this is going to be your house, jump in. Find a team. Find some people that you're doing life with. Unlock the purpose that God gave you. I talk about this all the time, but God didn't make you so you could serve coffee on, at Viber Church on Sunday. But he did make you to, communi- to, to have community with others, and then he made you with hospitality. So that unlocks another thing outside the house. That's why we do what we do, okay? And then third, give. Invest your finances. Start somewhere on the giving ladder. Pastor Michael, I can't tie 10%. Start at 2%. See, the God, see God bless 2%. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll change the way you do things. And then, then lastly, pray. Pray for this party to be full. Even in the summertime. You know what I'm praying for? Look, look kind of a back behind the curtain. In a church... Summertime, there's always, in ministry, there's known as the summer slump. Everybody goes on vacation. Everybody kind of doing their thing. Everybody's prepping for, you know, less numbers. I got a bunch of my church friends and pastors, and I'm not against it. They went back to one service for a Sunday, for Sundays in the summer. We're not going to do that. Why? We're prepping for this party to be full. You can go on vacation. That's just another seat for somebody else. Come on. You know what I'm saying? So when we get here in the, in the fall and everybody comes back, we're going to have to add a third. Get ready. Y'all laughing, but I'm, I'm serious. Get ready. Our dream team coaches just got nervous right there. They sweat. I'm telling you, we got to make room. People are coming to the party. Make room. We got to pray for those people. Prayer is the access by which our world turns. I want you to do something really quickly today as a church. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to pray for somebody that you know is lost. You know that is far from God, that needs God right now. I want you to take about 30 seconds. And I want you to pray for that particular person. Come on, church. I want you to pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm praying. Lord, you know exactly who I'm talking about. God, I pray that you would influence their heart. God, they have walked away from you. God, a divorce has has affected their life. But God, right now, I pray that you would influence them wherever they are, that you would touch them and lift them up. God, I pray that you would unlock an opportunity for me to share you with them, God, so they can make a move towards you and your kingdom. God, I pray for every person that is praying for a lost soul right now, God. I pray for every person that is praying for a lost soul, that you would give them opportunity to make a difference in their life, that you would give them the opportunity to jump in and share Jesus, to share you, God. Lead us to hungry people, God. Break our heart for what breaks your heart, which is lost souls, lost souls. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're living in a world that is (coughs) is desperate. It's desperate. 
this world and give your life to Jesus. And that just simply begins with a conversation. Across this room, I want every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus and you're looking for a little hope and you came to a house party just, just looking for something and you want to give your life to Jesus or maybe even give your life back to Jesus, right now. Let it be known by just lifting your hand. Slip your hand up right now. Come on. That's beautiful. Come on. That's awesome. You're giving your life back to Jesus. I see you, ma'am. I see you. The Lord's going to move in you. This begins with a prayer, and I want us to pray this prayer together. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my world, my heart, and my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, 